following Answers for Elders podcast features author, innovator, Alzheimer's and dementia family coach, Faith Marshall. And welcome back again, everyone, to Answers for Elders for part two of this very important segment on communicating with those with Alzheimer's and dementia. And we are here with Alzheimer's and dementia expert, Faith Marshall. And Faith, we are in the conversation and certainly we talked a little bit about, you know, how we keep that respect factor and how we keep that. And, you know, in our last segment, I just brought up something. It's like walk around the block, deal with, you know, your own stuff, your check, your ego at the door, all of these things. But it really comes down to the fact of, you know, how do we respect our loved one and, and going forward? Because I think that's a really cool, you know, key scenario in communicating with a loved one that has Alzheimer's. Is it not? Yes, very much so. I, 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 I experienced this with my mom and I'm studying to be a, a, a dementia consultant where I can actually help families with a lot of these steps directly. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much in this year-long training that I've been in. I'm excited to have the tools mm-hmm. to help them. And there's so much that the patient picks up on that we are not aware of. We might have just come home with the doctor from the doctor, we've got all the information that the doctor has shared. We're on the phone with our brother, passing on all that information as if the patient isn't present. Mm-hmm. And the patient is getting that repetition of hearing that information that in most cases isn't positive. Mm-hmm. So when we're with the patient, we need to respect them mm-hmm. and we need to talk to them, not about them. We need to talk right. with them. And as if they are understanding what we're saying, even if we have it stuck in our head that they don't. Right. And the other thing to this too is, is like you talked about in the last episode, our energy, when we're talking to our brother about what the doctor said, isn't necessarily a positive energy. So some of those conversations need to happen. They may not be some of the parts of those conversations may not be best served for the patient having it with the patient about the patient Mm -hmm. without engaging them now some early stage they're right there with you they Mm -hmm. remember what the doctor just said and you're talking to them and you're respecting their feelings about it versus just focusing on the statistics or all the things that the medical professionals are geared up to provide for us is not always positive. So we always want to instill hope. Yeah. And I think part of how families deal with it is like, for example, a doctor might say, um, you know, mom can only have thick, thick and liquids because she can't swallow. (laughs) Um, But on the other hand, the flip side of that is the fact that, well, guess what? Um, You know, mom wants water. And so it's up to you if you are their power of attorney or dealing with that is to be their advocate because sometimes they can't speak for themselves. So to listen for key things that when you know that person and when you realize that, you know, mom doesn't like, um, you know, orange juice (laughs) and you keep giving it to her and she doesn't like it. It's not that she's refusing to eat, but again, it's paying attention to the details. I think 
is right. one of the things that um, a lot of us, we just get so busy in our days that we don't think about what are the things that are most important to our loved ones. And it's not about us. It's not about what we think. It's about, it's their life still. And I think that's something that sometimes we lose track of. Wouldn't you yeah. say that's true? Yeah. Well, I think we get caught up in focusing on the safety mm-hmm. and we get caught up in focusing on their nutrition and well, you need vitamin C. So the most logical choice is orange juice, yeah. but we forget that mom prefers grapefruit juice or you know whatever the alternative is. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. told us to do this, so we're going to do it. Right. And and so things just need to be cooperative. And there's a lot of thought that has to go into even opening a conversation with them about something. And True. we're t- we're tired as a caregiver. And the last thing we want to do is negotiate in our head how to present this. But there's tools available. There's people that can help with those conversations. And so that you can focus on yourself and your energy and Mm -hmm. how you're presenting this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think think families are trying their hardest and doing their best. But there's a lot of this stuff that they just don't know. I didn't. I, I, you know, no. you don't talk about the patient as her. You talk about, you know, Kareen or mom and um, trying to be open with them about, I want to help you with this. So mm-hmm. what if, what if we try this mm-hmm. um, and being cooperative and being in a loving way mm-hmm. and not combative and, and basically, you know, what's happening today in the news is not what's on their mind. No, no. And no. it's interesting too, that, you know, when you brought up a really important part, so sometimes we think family that's most most important is their safety or that we're really accurate with information. So when we talked with healthcare professional or whatever, I remember, you know, my mom would say something totally that wasn't true, you know, but it was in her mind, it was true. And I remembered correcting her. And, and it's like, that's not what you do. Yeah. It's like, And I learned, thanks thanks to a coach like you, (laughs) someone told me, you know, the truth is pretty much irrelevant when you have Alzheimer's dementia. It's their perception. And so it's learning to, again, it doesn't always have to be, you know, it doesn't, the details always don't have to be correct. And, And understanding that piece that sometimes... You know, we may view things at a, as a different way than than your loved one is, but their reality is their reality, and mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be get lost in the in the you know picture. Um, I think the other part of of you know respect factor is how many people say, "Mom, um, you know, remember remember when we did X Y Z?" Well, mom may not remember, so it makes her feel bad. Or right. dad. Do you remember you always like to go um, fishing to Lake Chelan and dad doesn't have any re- memory of that because right. that was only, you know, a long time ago that they, he may have lost that piece. And, and understanding that when you start asking those questions, it can put them in a, in a difficult situation because they feel like they're left out because they don't remember. Exactly. And I also think that the word remember is a trigger. It is to form a block because they've been told that they can't remember. They're realizing they can't remember. So using right. that word is not really a positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. It's more mm-hmm. like we used to go fishing at that lake, that really pretty lake that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Was it Lake Chelan? 
and and see if if that that's not, a great way to do it yeah not using the word remember or people would come to visit and say do you remember my name well i would probably mess that one up i know <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and 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 the thing is is that again just remembering I think the other thing is sometimes it's it's easier to like you said give them all the information up front and then just say what do you think mom or what do you think dad how you know how about if we go to lunch what is that a good you know what do you think so it's all of a sudden it's making it's an inclusive mindset yeah feeling like this is where we are today and in you know how about if you know, we do this together. Right. So or, what are you hungry for? I'm hungry for fish and chips. Hint, hint. You yeah. Know, but, but it's like, it's, it's like that helps to get them to maybe, you know, yeah. the activity that you want to do. And, yeah. yeah. and the other, you know, we've talked about it in other episodes. The other factor to all of this is that they're, they're your mom and you're, you're seeking, you're seeking information from them. And we have that, fear that they're forgetting us and all those underlying things that unfortunately just need to be checked at the door for the moment Mm -hmm. and um, talking to friends and helping clear that out without involving the patient themselves and just have the focus be on the patient. And I think um, so many of us just want to do what's right, but we don't have the tools to know what that is. Right. And we don't know that talking to our brother on the phone about what the doctor said, all the negative things is the wrong thing to do. We feel like we're including mom. We're not talking about her behind her back. True. So, um, it, it's a dance. It's truly a dance. Yeah. And I think too, the way, um, you know, the way we look at all of this and, and as we're moving forward is to make sure that we're always thinking about inclusion rather than exclusion. And I think some of the things that, you know, family discussions may go on behind the scenes, but realize that there's things that we can always do to respect that relationship and to make sure that mom or dad or, you know, aunt or uncle or whatever is included in decisions to, to what they're capable of. And I think that's really, really where we're at is understanding that, you know, we can do a lot of the things behind the scenes where we're not demeaning them in front of them. Because even, you know, I have heard, like you said, if, if your loved one is stage five, six, you know, into Alzheimer's, they're still going to pick up certain um, dialogue. And, yeah. and that's important to know. In, in terms of our senses, uh, as a hospice volunteer, I've always taught people that the hearing is the last to go. So their no. eyes may be closed. They can't hear you, but they can't communicate with you, but they can still hear you. Right. And what you're communicating to them shouldn't be the negative of pulling the plug or whatever's going to ha- got to happen. It should be the positives of, you know, accepting and mom, we love you. And if, if you want to go, you can go. Right. That's a whole nother episode. But just yeah. the fact that don't forget that they can still hear you, whether you think they can or not because the hearing is always somehow miraculously conscious. That's a really good point that us. you bring up. And, and certainly um, one of the things you brought up too was energy. And I think what I would love to talk about our next segment is how to change the energy 
um, when if you're dealing with an antagonistic, um, you know, maybe uh, dad's antagonistic, dad doesn't want to move, anything like that, what can we do to change that? And so everyone, Faith will be right back right after this. And that's one of my most exciting topics to talk about. Yay! <laughs> we would like to thank you for joining us in this podcast. Faith is here to support you and your family on this journey. She will help you to come together in harmony, creating the best team and advocating for your loved one's care. So call Faith at 855-363-2484 to receive a $200 gift card just by mentioning that you've heard these podcasts. Again, that number is 855-363-2484. And guess what? That spells Faith, 855-3-F-A-I-T-H. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.